All right, so we're back here once again another Couch Coach Lab. We're back once again, Couch Coaches. We are here. Another Tuesday podcast. Got um, got my guys in the building. What's going on, JB? What's going not on? Much was, not much was going on with you. Everything's good. And then we got a special guest in the building. We got our guy, our off-the-ball network, one of my off-the-ball network colleagues, the uh, hockey writer, the hockey aficionado, and the, break- and the host of the Breaking the Ice podcast. I got Jerry. What's going on, Jerry? Nothing much, nothing much, Coach. A pleasure to be on. First time being, uh, being on. You know th- this show. Normally, uh, for your viewers, Overreaction Monday is where I've been, but making my <laughs> debut on this show, I'm, I'm very glad, very thankful to be on. Yeah, man, Overreaction Monday. Yeah, I was. You know that was a that was a success, and you know we'll definitely bring that back um, in some form or fashion. You know, still contemplating what I want to do with it because I don't think I want right. to wait to September for something of that nature, but. Right. We're gonna, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll discuss that off, off, off air yeah. with that one. But yeah, man. So, um, definitely, man. Great week. Um, so let's talk about this Alabama. Uh, once again, Alabama's rolling. Um, once again, they win the national championship, uh, beating Ohio State by the final score of fifty-two to twenty-four. So I'm going around the horn, fellas. Your thoughts on uh, the, the Natty and and essentially Alabama winning the Natty. JB, I'm going to go with you first. Uh, man, it was uh, last night, man. I expected more of a competitive game. I I, I, I went with Alabama. I thought Alabama was going to win the game, but I didn't think it was going to get as ugly as it did. I mean, for you to lose by 28 points. And was it me or did you guys think that, like, Ohio State just had a bad defensive strategy uh, going into the game? I just thought that they were playing way too loose off the receivers. And, you know, at some point or another, you just can't let Devontae Smith keep on killing you. I mean, and he didn't even play really in the second half either. So it, it was a it was a demolition. And it's kind of crazy, man, how like uh, Alabama has pretty much dominated for like the greater part of the last decade, you know, uh, because like you, when you think about it, people were saying that, you know, it was a drought because they hadn't won a national championship in two years. So, I mean, like, uh I mean, yeah, man, they uh, kudos to Alabama, man. They they destroyed Ohio State last night. Yeah, man. Jerry, your thoughts? Very, very similar. You know, I definitely expected Bama to win uh, from the beginning, and I definitely expect that at least, you know, a 10 to 14 point win for them. Uh, but, you know, they they quickly there. There was a moment late in the second, early in the third, where you saw the tide, no pun intended, turning and Alabama was just going <laughs> to was just going to take the ball and end the game immediately. Uh, you know, kudos to Ohio State. They definitely deserve a lot of credit in, in such a weird season where the Big Ten, there was even, you know, at, at, let's not forget at one point, the Big Ten wasn't even going to play football uh, in the fall. Yeah. And then, you know, they get it together, Ohio State doing the best they can, fighting COVID a good bit, especially in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, to make it to that point, I think in and of itself deserves credit. But at the end of the day, you know, I was talking with Coach about it just before we started. Like, Alabama's just different, man. You look up and down that roster. Like, even forget all seven rounds of the NFL draft. How many of the guys on this team are going to go within the first two to three rounds this year and in in, uh, 2022? Like, the amount of talent is just otherworldly compared to their competition. And normally what Ohio State does to the lesser teams in the Big Ten, 
Alabama just does it to anybody, regardless of conference, regardless of you may be the best in your conference, but hey, it's a whole different thing when you yeah. come against us. The only team that's really been able to stick with Alabama recently has been Clemson. Yeah. That's the only team that's really been able to stick with them. Clemson's beaten them twice in the national championship, and they've knocked out Clemson two times, but they've been the only time. And I, I just think, man, like if you – to beat Alabama, man, you're going to have to score a lot of points. The team that came closest to beating Alabama this year was Florida. You're going to have to, at some point, you're going to have to be able, because they're tough to run on. Like, they're pretty much impossible to run. You can't run up because their defensive tackles are so strong. Your quarterback has to be able to, like, push the ball down, field on it, because, like, generally the weakness of that, uh, of Nick Saban's defense is in the secondary. So you have to be able to push the ball down the field on them. And, like, I could kind of tell early on, I just, I just don't think Phyllis was healthy, man. I think that that hit that he took in the Clemson game really mm-hmm. affected him. And yeah. then, you know, with them also losing their their running back, you know, their number one running back, uh, the first possession of the game, that really hurt as well. I'm not saying it would have made that big of a difference, but I think that, you know, like definitely the game could have been closer if a few more things break uh, Ohio State's way. Yeah, and that's another thing too, like – Especially when you lose Trey Sermon in the first possession, the first literally possession, it does bowl well. And he's kind of one of the guys that kind of came out of nowhere, essentially, that Northwestern game. Because essentially, like you said, because Phils was struggling in that Northwestern game, and then he kind of came in and essentially, um, you know, picked up the slack with those three touchdowns late um, for Ohio State to propel them to the uh, Big Ten championship. But, yeah, this game was just – it was so lopsided. It's, it's so weird, like, looking at these national championships now. It's like, and it's funny because we were like, okay, well now Clemson kind of is kind of, you know, make them they make them closer, and then it's just one of the things where it's just like it's embarrassing the Richmond riches, and it's funny to think like, and I don't know if you, y'all seen the meme, not the, not the meme, but something on, on ESPN that they posted about um, Nick Saban's 2017 recruiting class, yeah. which that's I mean when you look at that you're like, oh my god, like I mean literally you got two quarterbacks. We had Tua and Mac Jones. Then you think about it, you had you had Ruggs and you had Jerry Judy and you had Devontae Smith. They're all in the same recruiting class. Then Dedrick Wells, who's doing his thing in the NFL. And then I'm like, my goodness. And then the other guys, like you said, another guys like Najee Harris is gonna be coming out soon. And yeah. then also, I mean, Kyle, you think Dylan Moses, like who else? It was um Tua, yeah, Mac, Mac Jones, like this just it just lets you know. Alabama is just running through it, and they're just doing their thing, and it's just who gonna stop them? Hmm. Almost nobody. <laughs> Crazy stat regarding last night's game too. So I'm sure you guys saw this in the 21 college football playoff games that have been played since the the system was first introduced. Uh, mm-hmm. Of those 21, 17 of them have been won by Bama, Clemson, or Ohio, or Ohio State. Like right. that just goes to show. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just that dominant, and like, and it, and, and it's going to keep going because obviously, hey, why not? Especially if you're like, you know, especially though a lot of positions. Think about it. If I'm a quarterback, I'm good. Like, you know, if any position, I'm good. I go to Alabama. I'm gonna be straight. Like, because even you look at it, like you said, a 2017 class. Even even they had multiple guys like in multiple positions, and they're now, you know, and like you said. The three wide receivers, they're gonna be number one picks. I mean, for, yeah. you know, first round picks. You, you know, definitely Devontae uh, um, Smith is gonna be one, obviously. And then Rugs and um, 
Rugs one and then the other one. So you look at those and you're like, it's, it's going to keep going, man. And it's going to be yeah. very fascinating of how everything going to play out next year. And, I, and, you know, of course, I looked at the way top 25, which, you know, I'm, at this point, I'm going to use that as a gospel at this point. Um, <laughs> with, you know, obviously, with, with Carolina being seventh, so I'm always going to definitely um, <laughs> definitely going to use that as a, as a reference point going into the season. But, yeah, like, uh, matter of fact, I think also Steven made the point, too, where uh, Mac Jones made a lot of um, himself a lot of money this year with the, that performance. And then also – Steven did make up a good point. Um, he talked about like how Mac Jones might be the next Matt Liner. <laughs> Which, that's a fair, that's a fair, that's a fair uh, assumption. But um, but yeah, man. So yeah, it was definitely an interesting game. And I'm hoping, you know, going forward that we'll have close to national championship games, but I doubt it very seriously. It's just the way it is. And, you know, as we say this, and it's funny because you know, we talked about Alabama and their story tradition. Well, let's talk about a quarterback that actually beat Alabama, which is Deshaun Watson. <laughs> so, um, so Deshaun Watson essentially. So, there's a lot of drama that's going on with Deshaun Watson uh, with the organization. Um, essentially, it was at a point where um, they. It, it, this is we'll backtrack. So, basically, in the beginning, they hired the GM and what have you. So then they didn't grant an interview for Eric Bieniemy at the time. Then there was rumors circulating that that Miami wanted to trade for Tua. And then also now you're hearing and, and within the last couple of days, but a few hours probably about Eric enemy now is going to be interviewed by the Houston Texans. Yep. So my question tonight essentially is what do you think Deshaun Watson is the ideal spot for him? I'm going to go to you first, Jared, your thoughts. So, uh, and by the way, I got, I got a feel for uh, Nick Casario real quick. Like, because Watson's representation has made it a point. It has nothing to do with him. It is just how he has felt about the Texans' ownership right. and how it's been uh, going back to last season with allowing DeAndre Hopkins to be traded uh, by old Bill, Billy O'Stooge uh, from last <laughs> year. Uh, it, ideal landing spots, man, there's a bunch. But one team... That, you know, aside from Miami, because, you know, I, I'm, we're obviously going to get into that. But if, if somehow, if Deshaun could end up in Santa Clara and play for the 49ers, you're you're yeah. talking about a complete revitalization for that organization. The only flaw for the Niners this season was the fact that they got a lot of injuries, especially early on in the year. Uh, Armstead, Bosa, you know, Solomon Thomas, who... You know, he hasn't exactly lived up to expectations, but maybe he could have had a good year, you know, with those two guys next to him. Like, the the lone downfall for them was all the injuries. If they don't get injured, the NFC West becomes more of a bloodbath with the Rams and the Seahawks having a, a fully healthy 49ers team. And for the 49ers, it's actually realistic. Richard Sherman's contract is coming off. Jimmy G only has like a $2 million dead cap hit as opposed to the 20-plus million in savings that they would get. Jimmy G is very familiar with Nick Casario from their time with the Patriots. So maybe could Casario have Jimmy G come back in the trade, kind of work out some of the cap already there. And then like guys like uh, a Bosa, uh, Nick Bosa is on a rookie deal uh, still. And the Niners skill positions, aside from uh, George Kittle, who, by the way, awesome weapon for Deshaun Watson, by the way, if he were to go there. You give Watson guys to work with in Brendan Ayuk and Debo Samuel. 
The running back situation, he'll never have to worry about. Kyle Shanahan is so skilled, he could somehow uh, get me 50 rushing yards in a game with how he gets the offensive line scheme. Like, that's just how good he is as a coach. That situation, it, if they add a Deshaun Watson-type quarterback, the 49ers will be a serious threat. Big time. JB, your thoughts? Ooh, yeah, that was a good one right there. Um, I, you know, I think with San Francisco, unfortunately, I don't think Jimmy G has played bad. I mean, I mean, every time he stayed healthy, they've won games. It's just that right. you look, he tore his ACL, uh, he tore his ACL in 18. They made the Super Bowl last year. Then this year, he misses a bunch of time. So um, I actually like that. But I'm going to go, I have two teams in mind. And I'm going to throw this one out there because I think that you could do kind of like a salary matching in, right. in this situation. I would say if I'm the Rams and I'm looking at what's going on with Jared Goff, I might look into exploring that because, like I told people, I've never really been a big fan of Jared Goff. I think that uh, I think that, uh, you know, uh, I can't think of the coach's name right now. I'm drawing a brain oh, uh, right Jeff now. Fisher? Huh? Jeff Fisher? Oh, Sean no, no, no. The coach, Sean McVay. Sean McVay. Sean McVay. Yeah. Sean, McVay Sean McVay made Jared Goff. Like, Jared Goff was nothing before Sean McVay got there, and he's got him there. And I've just seen Jared Goff the last few years regress. I mean, they won the game um, on Saturday, but that was more so to their defense. But could you imagine uh, Sean McVay getting to work with a guy of Deshaun Watson's talent? Like, I mean, like, you look at, like, the Rams, I understand that they have some cap issues, but – you could kind of sort of make this kind of work with uh, sending golf to Houston. And let's just be honest, Houston has done a lot of stupid stuff. So this isn't, this isn't that far-fetched. I never thought that they would trade DeAndre Hopkins for a washed-up David Johnson, but they did. And another team I'm going to look at, too, because I think this team is going to be in an interesting space next year, too. Uh, I look at the Saints. What do the Saints want to do a quarterback? Because you look at the situation with Breeze, I think that this is probably going to end up being Breeze's last year. Right. Um, I'm not really. You're, I, I don't think that you can really be sold on what they have at quarterback. I think you know, like uh, Jameis hasn't played this year. They apparently like Jameis, but if they like them so much, how come he didn't start for them? Right. So I, I, I could, I, I wouldn't. I would like to see Jameis in a situation where I think a coach would get the most out of him, and I think that you know Sean McVay. And uh, Sean Payton would actually get a lot with him. They would play to his shrimps. And also, those two teams have much better offensive lines than Houston does. Houston's going to end up getting, like, and Watson stays there. If they don't fix the line, and I, I could see an Andrew Luck kind of situation where uh, Deshaun Watson might be gone in another four or five years when he's still in his prime because they didn't go out of their way to protect him. Could you imagine Deshaun Watson wasn't mobile and wasn't athletic, man. He would be getting 60 something times a year. Yeah. Houston's offensive line is it's horrible. I mean, it's 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 like bad and so is Seattle's offensive line as well. So yeah. And funny that and and um I think what interesting like you said the offensive line you think about just all the mistakes that, that Houston has done. It's almost to a point now where essentially if they do get rid of Sean Watson, I know they were saying how they want to get get three first round picks for him. It's almost to make amends of all the screw ups because you yeah. think about it. Just imagine if this team would have had their number three overall pick and they could have got Sewell and we athletes often talk about or somebody on that line to help instead of yeah. I mean you like I mean you essentially you you got Laramie Tunstall <laughs> for essentially the third overall pick essentially. Yeah. 
And here's the thing. They handicapped themselves with the whole Tunsil thing because they refused yeah. to negotiate with him until free agency. It gave him right. all the leverage to get the biggest uh, yearly salary for an offensive lineman. Right. Yeah. And actually, and it's funny, and Steven is funny. I, it's, like me and Steven, it's almost weird. Like it's like the deputy. We like we think alike, and it's kind of <laughs> like weird to the black polo and everything. But like I, I look at Pittsburgh, I think especially now when you're looking at quarterbacks in the NFC North, you really you gonna you gonna, you have to compete. You have Lamar yeah. Jackson in that division. You have Baker Mayfield, fairly or not. But Baker Mayfield is a threat. And then you also got Joe Burrow, which you want to have to compete with those guys. And, you know, mm. I, you know the Steelers want to be – I know they, they, they're, they you know, black and blue and, you know, kind of that, that type of mantra, the terrible towel and everything. But this is an offensive league. They got – you know, especially uh, what they got already. I, I definitely think they should make a call because I think, as we've seen on Saturday, essentially, Big Ben is done. Like, yeah. it's, you know, so – Get a guy like Deshaun Watson, as Debo said it eloquently. He's a Michael Jordan of football. So bring in, bring in MJ to Pittsburgh. But um, yeah, I, it's just weird, like you know, and it's crazy. But yeah, I definitely think that's the ultimate because I think Houston is just going to be in such an insolvable. Like I, part of me wanted to stay in Houston because a part of me they can you know they can make amends of it. But right. to me, it's just—I think it's just—it's—it's it's broken beyond repair. So there's really no need to even make the the Houston argument because I think it's just already done already. And for them to kind of bring in, try to essentially bring in the enemy in the eleventh hour to essentially try to call to him, that that lets me know, like, okay, you're just doing this to kind of take face because that was your first intention in the beginning. Because really, you—he didn't have input in the coaching, which to me, I think if he. For that type of caliber for who he is, he's a franchise quarterback. I think he needs input. I right. mean, and it's and, and it's unfair, you know? Yeah, and I'm dumb. Basically, the worst thing they did was that they after they lost to the Colts in the playoffs, they fired their GM like after the draft, and then yeah. Bill O'Brien became the de facto GM. Bill O'Brien's horrible GM. Like, I'm sorry. Like, if 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 uh, DeAndre Hopkins doesn't like you and you're the GM, you should just fire yourself. Right. Yeah, and remember they they went two years. Well, they went almost yeah, they went two years out of GM after um after Rick Smith left. You know, after yeah. you know all that situation that happened, which you know we don't want to hash that out. You know, as far as you know personal things that happened. You know, with this while that happening. But anyway, but you think about it after after he left, essentially the team just went th- in the toilet. So oh, yeah. it's just one of the things. Yeah. So you you look at just that simple fact of like. Because you would hope, you would think, like, if, if Houston was somewhat of a legitimate, you could say, hey, well, Houston can 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 ride this ship. You get Airbnb me or you'll get, you know, somebody or some type of coach, which, you know what, a coach who she could also look at, and this is kind of something that Hugh Jackson put in my ear in a sense, Pep Hamilton. Like, he, some, some of that nature, someone, you know, someone of that type of elk to help him. Because you right. look at what he did with Justin Herbert this year, and, like, we talked about it on, on over action Monday several times that we used to look at him as like a project. Like we didn't think he was gonna do what he was doing. Then we it was a lot of question marks of Justin Herbert, but to think he kind of essentially the year that he's had under the toolage of Pep Hamilton is something that okay, well maybe we should look into him as well. But all there, you know, so 
Houston not gonna do that because you know Houston is just Houston and Deshaun should just go where he needs to go and try to get your your, your first round picks back. <laughs> try to and right. I see, and I find it funny they trying to do it with Miami. <laughs> they're definitely trying to get their third their third overall pick again, ain't they? Right. Right, no, for sure. <laughs> yeah, coach, man. you bring up you brought up a good point earlier when you mentioned like in a lot of these trade packages. Like uh, it was a few days ago, Bleacher Report came out with like a, a list of trade packages uh, for for potential trades for Watson. And like I've looked at all of them, and it's like why are none of these like who wrote the article to not take into account that Deshaun Watson is on a a recently signed extension? All the money is there. He just got signed. Even if he were to opt out early, he's still there for like at least three years. How in all these trade packages are you only getting two first-round picks at the most for him? A franchise quarterback already signed long-term commands a minimum three first-round draft picks from another organization. And maybe even an an extra player too. Like, like I don't understand. Like, I know this happens in a lot of sports with a lot of fans. Like, they try to over-fantasize. Like, we will give up the 52nd player on the roster in a second for Deshaun Watson. But it's not... How it worked. Not even in Madden would that trade go through. In Madden, right. it's terrible. Like, right. Like, Deshaun Watson, if, if you team trade is going to Yeah, if, if Deshaun Watson is getting traded, best believe the team that gets him is, give, is giving up a lot for him, and rightfully so with the season he had. Yeah, because you look at even with Seattle, they, they gave up two first-round picks for Jamal Adams. So, you think about it. If Seattle gave up that kind of currency... For a you know for Jamal Adams, which he's worth it. I mean, well, I don't say he's worth it. I mean, getting too, that's a little bit too rich for my blood. But if he's commanded two, you know, Deshaun Watson going to at least have three. Oh yeah. So, like you said, that's right. But we all know about Bleacher Report. Bleacher Report is a little, yeah, Yeah. look, yeah, they. I I think they do that to put the to kind of essentially to be the talk of the town. Because <laughs> like essentially, like when they did the NBA rankings, we all were like, "What?" <laughs> like, but I think they do that for shock. I honestly, I think what you do, I think they really do that. I think they do that mess intentionally, right? Because, like you said, and like you said, I don't understand why people don't think if that's that's going to be required. Hell, even when we what how many first. For RG three, he was a rookie. That was like like oh. two then. That was two, and that was when two. That was eight years ago. So you know the the price of quarterbacks have gone up in oh in nine years. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know, but um, yeah, you can have to cough up some some um some number ones, which would be good for Houston because they can kind of rebuild and and do what they have to do. Because at this point, not having those draft picks is just it's it's terrible. Like I. Mm, Bill O'Brien, Miami Miami Dolphins got a gift. They they might end around end, end up getting Devonte Smith. He might fall into their lap. Ain't that something? That's crazy. That might he ten might fall six, into their lap. Ten, ten and six and got the number three pick because of stupidity. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is what the Dolphins man. <laughs> they was right. That was smart. Like shout out to Chris Ballard. Like. Not Chris Ballard. Who was it? No, it's who was there? Who was oh, that Greer, Chris Greer, Greer for Miami. Chris Greer, yeah, Chris Greer. I don't know why I got Chris Greer and Chris. Um, one is, <laughs> yeah. So that's Chris and Chris. Yeah. I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess that. But um, yes, yeah, so definitely huge shout out to um for for getting that type of deal. But um, yeah, man. So fellas, let's move on along. Let's talk about 
another story, which I think is going to be very interesting to how this is going to play out. This is probably the, the most interesting matchup of the week. <laughs> uh, NBA versus uh, COVID-19. And, It'll uh, be closer than Bama or, uh, or OSU. Correct. So it's a lot. Of, and this is going to be such a situ- situation. Like all of it. It's, it's fluid. So to, it's, as of tonight, there's a few things that has been postponed. We know Boston, their next three games have been postponed. Um, also, uh, the Wizards canceled their practice. We talked about that this morning. And now their game canceled for tomorrow. I think that yeah. just maybe like what like 40 minutes ago, right before we went on air. Yeah. And then so we'll talk about that as well. And then let's talk about the protocols. And I'll get you guys. So and I just I just got Cliff Nose versions of them because it's 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 another thing that's fluid in nature too. But I think the one that really stuck out to me was the um that players cannot can no longer interact with non-team guests at road hotels. They can't leave their rooms. Then also, there is no hugging or interacting of rival players, uh, reducing social interaction during games, uh, tapping hands during free throws, so you can't do that anymore. Uh, Players must stay at home um, unless they have to attend team-related activities. I think (laughs) if you are going to – if you are a – and then also a person that attends a player home for professional reasons, must have to be must be tested twice a week. I know some. Uh, it's, there's some other things where I know they were talking about, um, far as masking and certain yeah. des- designated areas. I think I don't know if you heard about this one too, where they have to develop a seating chart from that's conducive to the yeah. court and then also to the plane. Like this weird, like I'm t- dude, I'm telling you, they're stressing the whole six feet apart thing. Like, right? So if players are gonna meet, the the, the space has to be big enough to uh, allow social distancing. Right. So, um, I, I want I, basically it's more so. I just want to get your thoughts on the protocol, and are we essentially headed towards a, another suspension of the league? So I'm gonna go with you first, JB. Your thoughts on that? Uh, I'm not sure because, you know, like one thing that I'm interested in in, in knowing is like because uh, last year during the stoppage, a lot of players tested positive. And I think that based off of everything that I've read before, whatever, you do have some immunity. So generally speaking, if you catch it one time, you're not going to catch it a second time for a while. So you had teams like, for instance, Denver was hit hard with it. Uh, Also, Miami was hit hard with it. So I think we're kind of sort of seeing the teams that really weren't hit hard with it right now. So we didn't really hear much about Boston last year with it either. Um, But I do think that possibly a suspension is coming um, because, uh, like, we're in winter season. This is flu season. So I think that it might spread a lot better. But I just think it's really interesting that some teams are not really having an issue with it. And I think teams like Denver and Miami aren't having an issue with it because they were hit hard with it last year. Right. Right. So, and uh, you know, like I I understand the protocols, but it's to me, it's kind of like, you know, like, Hey, like, you know, no shaking hand. Like, I mean, like, Hey, I mean, like what's next? Like you're going to have to guard the person. You're going to have to be six feet away from a three point shooter. So (laughs) you're going to give them open three pointers or something like that. I mean, like, I mean, I I understand like, you know, like, Hey, not interacting with people when you're in a hotel, I understand some of the stuff, but like some of the other stuff, like you can't shake your teammates hands or give them a pound after a free throw. I mean, what are, what, what's going to happen? Um, if you break one of those rules, it's going to be a fine. It's going to be a suspension. What, what happens? Because I mean, like you can't really expect for the teams to change 
stuff like that overnight. I think some things like, you know, not going to clubs, strip clubs, that's good. But some of the other stuff, come on. Not even to get some wings to go take out? <laughs> no, 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 no lemon pepper wings for you, Lou. Uh, oh, man. I heard they're good, by the way. <laughs> so, uh, me too. I've heard they're good, too. <laughs> they are. I've heard they're good, but trust me, he wasn't there just for the wings. I can't, I, 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 I want to, like, it's, it's, it sounds a little bit slanderous, but like let, let's be real. You're not going to strip club just for the for the wings. I don't care how good they are. I'm just saying. Uh, so I think JB brings up a very good point. But coach, like you you saying some of those things that like the first time I'm hearing them, the whole they got to stay in their hotel room thing. It's just funny. That reminds me my senior year when we went on a senior trip. My uh, some kids from my high school and we were in our hotel. Like it was a school trip. The teachers for the nighttime they actually taped the doors uh on the outside to to like if we tried to leave get out like at night they would have heard it that's just what that's reminding me of so that's just like it's just making me chuckle there uh but i think jb brings up a good point i definitely think a potential temporary suspension of play could be in uh in at least the conversation at this point uh, with the rise of covid cases uh, and, and like JB said, of course, you know, not only is it winter, we've also just now kind of finished the holiday season. It's honestly natural that we're seeing a spike in COVID cases because, you know, even trying as best we can, and not even just the athletes, even regular people, you know, this is the time of year where we're going to be around the people the most. Christmas time with family, even just a little bit after New Year's, you know, seeing friends maybe you haven't seen and such and such. Like, that's a very natural thing. It's only, it, it makes sense that the cases are rising here. Um and with that, maybe the league is trying to bank off the fact, like, okay, if we wait a little bit, maybe it'll come back down. The guys will, if they follow the regulations and such and such, you know, could it work? I think that's part of the reason why they're putting in all these restrictions, because the league will do everything in its power to add any kind of stipulation, any kind of rule to avoid a temporary suspension in play. Because, and I, I've spoken about this. Steven usually mentions on some of these shows, like the group chat we have uh, on, on Twitter, Coach. Like, I've brought it up several times for a reason in the chat. It, while we talk about the players, the teams, the league, the networks, it is you cannot forget about the TV networks when you talk about any potential suspension of play. You cannot forget about that. It is so critical. These contracts are way more complex than people think in terms of, you know, the uh, what does the league owe the network if games were to be suspended because that that's advertising revenue that was wasted on that time slot. That's a certain amount of viewers that advertisers were going to expect in that time slot. There's just so many external factors that go into it. So I'm not shocked that the league is doing all this. They want to avoid a suspension as much as they can, but I'm on JB's side. I think it sooner or later if if it doesn't go down i i think realistically we could see a temporary like two break two two week pause and everything like let's let's hit a reset button let's calm down and let's try to get this thing back up in two weeks you know when when things are a bit clearer yeah and that's and the thing about it is like you said and that's what really like you said the network pressure because I think, as a matter of fact, I don't know if you were on the podcast when we talked about that one week, JB. Remember, we were talking about the whole thing with Christmas. Everybody was saying, well, why they want to come back for Christmas? Because, like, well, Christmas is like their biggest, it's like one of their biggest games, their biggest uh, revenue spot. Yeah. Essentially, when you look at between those networks, they all get a the piece of the pie. And I, like I was saying, I think, you know, ESPN and ABC, what they, they daddy, they want the big piece of chicken. 
So essentially, that's where it comes apart because really we um, – because I remember they were talking about the, M- the NBA coming back and right around this time, right around Martin Luther King weekend, like right around, I would have been probably would have been th- theoretically next week when the league would have started initially when the initial thoughts were. And that's why I was saying why, why the season came back so early after the October, you know, after this finish off of October, because of the, like you said, the, t- the television, um, like you said, the NBA is going to, they're, they're going to try their hardest to make sure that this doesn't be suspended, but they might be forced like you said, like the rise of the cases, and now you're looking at like teams now, like Philly. I think Philly well at what the other night they had what seven guys dressed. Yeah, they only had seven guys the other night, and then you think about it. If you have another outbreak like that on another team, you think about it. You're gonna be have only have seven or you know seven players on the team for two weeks potentially. Well, generally what four, ten to fourteen days. It just depends on how that protocol is. But normally, you'll be out for a considerable amount of time without those guys. And then you know the thing about it is, and like you said, and, I, and like you said, I, I see the protocol. It's almost it's just, it's almost like how how we were. It's funny how it's, it feel like it's it's almost like Groundhog Day. And this is how it feel like in March because I remember like little things. Like I remember when CJ McCullum was like, "I'm not going to shake a, hand, a fan's hand anymore," and we thought that was crazy. Then the whole thing about we're not going to have fans in the stands. We're not gonna have media. Kind of, there was there was those kind of ways where they were trying to limit the spread, and I feel like we're doing that once again now, where we're having these preventative measures. Which will that help potentially? I don't know. Like you're saying, and the thing is, will the players abide by it? Right. That's the thing, and that's when we talk. We talk about a lot of the bubble and all that kind of like the bubble was kind of they saved them from kind of bringing in people. Well, except your Daniel House. But you know, but but in theory, that's one of the things where you looked at from that standpoint of how I see what a league is trying to do because it it's almost just like everything. It's like almost like restaurant owners; they're doing everything they can to kind of keep their business open. That's all this really is, and this it kind of just remind me of how it was in February, March of last year about just trying to I wouldn't say delay the inevitable, but try to prevent from the inevitable. Right. Which, like you said, I think, and I agree with you guys as well. Where essentially, I think there will be a suspension. I'm hoping that because I know they want to really wait until All Star Weekend. Well, quote unquote, All Star Weekend in the figurative sense, as far as right. and in March where they can reevaluate. I know they want to try to make it there, but I don't think they're gonna make it all the way to March. Right. Fair right. It's why. Yeah, it's why they left post All Star break so open. There's no 100 percent set uh, schedule of games because of a situation like this that we've spoken about. And I think if they can make, and then who's to say? Like, and I think like even Paul Pierce, the, the one who could say, compare himself to Luka Doncic, which I don't know, but I just, just I don't know. But anyway, but I'm sure that Paul Pierce, he made up a good point. I think he was talking about the other day where essentially. Offs or a certain amount, certain amount of time. That, that's when they need to go back into the bubble, maybe in the playoffs. So, like, yeah. if you had situations now, you know, you don't want to, you know, like if you're like, like, like Philly, like Philly's doing their thing, and then imagine oh, another team of that, of that pace, of that, of that team, or that nation, and they have an outbreak, and like, and they can only dress seven, and then right. those guys only be playing for that playoff series because essentially, a playoff series lasts generally two weeks if it goes distance. 
So you essentially will lose that player during that series. So yeah. Right. <laughs> but <laughs> but he that's the only one good point that Steve, that's only one good point that Paul Pierce has made probably right. in, in a good little minute. I had to, you know I had to give yeah. it to yeah. Dog, well when you went when, when when you said that I was like man well a broken clock is always right twice a day so <laughs> and when I see it I like it's so crazy because when I heard it I was like all right I need to really see this I need to witness this because it sounds ridiculous <laughs> like, and he got killed in the comments shout out to the yeah. comments the oh, comment game always like, does. Always does. he gets he gets annihilated he was like uh, I don't, bro. They was killing Paul Pierce, but poor Paul Pierce, but always. But always. all seriousness, but yeah, I think the part that I know they want to wait. I I know yeah. they're trying to hold out to All Star break. I know they want to try to get get this thing into All Star break. And the funny thing about it is, I don't know because right. what well, we now what a month in to see. Well, that even a month. Come think, well, we only what three weeks in. Yeah, 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 and 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 let's not forget either. I think that some people are going to get short memory. I think the MLB at first they had like some problems with this too. They had teams that had to postpone games and stuff like that. So I, I think as long as it's only maybe one or two teams experiencing this, it's okay. But when it starts getting to about like eight or nine teams, I think that's when it's we're going to be in trouble if it gets to that. But right now, it's not like the bulk of the league. It's like you know three teams really. You have like Philly. Um, D- Dallas and Dallas should be getting some people back because no, none of the players tested positive. I believe. I believe they're just in protocol. Right. So yeah. So you, the only the only teams that have really been like hit with it hard have been Philly and and Boston so far. Yeah, and even with uh, Boston, I believe the only one who's tested positive has been Tatum. The rest of them are just in protocol. A lot of contact tracing. Yeah, yeah it's a lot of contact tracing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, and that's what it really ultimately boils down to. Yeah, but yeah, man. So definitely, uh, NBA guys, hey, just follow product, yeah. product protocols. Somebody uh, coach, come to your house. James, guys, I want to bring up a really quick question because this thought just yeah. popped into my mind. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder when this will become a legitimate conversation. I know the NBA and the other leagues have, they kind of have to put out PR statements about it earlier. They, they don't want to make this decision. But do you think if the vaccine is potentially because uh, we, we're getting a lot of, you know, uh, we're slowly getting results back on the vaccines uh, that have been released to fight COVID. I know the leaks kind of said or mentioned they don't want to. Do you think there's a chance they may have to try to get vaccines to the players out? Yes, I, I yes. think that, that I think that's I think that's a legit I think that's a legit possibility. And honestly, I think that they're waiting. I think that they might wait until before the postseason starts and mm-hmm. have it so the players, the, the teams that you think are going to be in playoffs, they take the first round of shots and then I think you have to wait two weeks or three weeks and then you take the second round Definitely. of shots and then yeah and then that coincides to like maybe the playoffs starting in like you know a week or two. I think that that might actually happen. Yeah, because a part of me, and I'm, and, and that's one thing too. Like, I know it's gonna sound facetious because just I just know how people are. We people are sensitive, but you're right because at the end of the day, there we still gotta keep in mind that this is a private company. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the thought of them jumping the line. It is what it is. Just like because I remember people were killing them about the testing. Like, well, yeah. how do you get the test? 
they're a private company, so they it's not like they're getting them for free. They're gonna be paying for this stuff. So, yeah. and I understand people gonna, you know, gonna say something be facetious, but it is in their best interest if they want to cut the line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I shouldn't say it like that, but I mean, you're a pro- private company. That's just like, I mean, it's like what's going on now, where. I mean, I understand like there's other people that need it as well, but they're still a private company and they're a billion dollar machine. And if they, like you said, the results of this and everybody's, you know, it's, it's effective. And essentially, if you get these guys taken care of and then, then, you know, that'd be a great for fans to be like, okay, well, okay, everybody's good. They taking their shots. Then everybody can take their shots. And then guess what? They can put butts in seats. And right. that's because really the ultimate goal at this point now is putting butts in seats. Because essentially that's all you got at this point. We got the game going and it's it's hanging on by a thread. But right. you your job at this point now is to try to get butts in seats. Let's get these players taken care of first because obviously the butts ain't coming if the players are sick or the players not, you know, not taken care of. Then Let's inject the, the fans and you know get them in going. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I, I this sounds really facetious, but cut the line. I'm sorry, but I mean, <laughs> you think about it because it ain't like like we talked about, like I said earlier, and they're not free, they're gonna have to pay for it. It's not like a situation where, yeah, they might cut the line, but they got the resources. It's like everything, it's, it's America, yeah. I mean, I, I hate to say it, I hate to say it that way, but. I mean, just like everything, people have you know people who have resources have the best access to certain things, and that's just. I mean, I'm sorry. This 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 will be a classic lesson of the has versus the have nots. Right, right. I I, I was just thinking of it because like I think it, if in the next few weeks we get like the definitive like er, results of the vaccine and that it's doing good, like I think it has to be a possibility for the NBA and the NHL and like. I, I don't think it should be ignored because even for us, for us, like, you know, in our own personal lives, like, I, I don't think a lot of people realize, like, if the vaccine works, like, a lot of jobs are going to make it mandatory for their workers to take that vaccine and jobs have the right to do so. I'm pretty sure my job is probably going to make it mandatory uh, if it gets approved uh, for mass distribution. So it's like, I think it's something the league kind of has to consider. Yeah. Yeah. And you kind of want to be in the forefront of it because, like you said, and I think even the Stevens point where, there's a lot of suspicion with that, but then, like you said, if, if they take it and everything's fine, it could potentially help and, and actually encourage people. You know, yeah. unfortunately, you know, and, and even even though I know out loud, but even like even God forbid, Jerome Adams, <laughs> how great uh, Secretary of Health or whatever he is, he wanted LeBron James to take it. And it's just like, all right, well, he has somewhat of somewhat of a point to that, but I don't want him to be that kind of guy, to be that fall guy. But like you said, if they do it, they do it. But um, but yeah, but yeah, and like you said, if essentially if they take it, maybe there could be a situation where it kind of eases a lot of people's kind of suspicion or whatever. But, you know, there's still always be skeptics. Hell, I'm a skeptic as well. I mean, I ain't gonna front. Like, you know, I'm just... Because it's, it's new to me. Everything everything when you're new to something, you you can be skeptic. What's wrong with that? There's something wrong with being skeptic. 
Right. So, <laughs> you know, skepticism is okay. It's just another word of being curious <laughs> at this point in the game. So, yeah, but like you said, I think and, – and they will probably will take a hit just like what they did with the testing. But, I mean, hey, it, it is – they just have to do what they have to do in this league, and they have to uh, pr- protect their interests, you know. And essentially, like you said, it's because really, it's all ultimately it boils down to the TV revenue, like you said, because that's that's even best, like you said, because you because now you're going to be a situation where now you're going to have to pay back what would be considered projected income, so that could be a little mess. Yeah. So. You know, but yeah, man, it's definitely gonna be a um, interesting ride these next few weeks. So what's going on? And um, but yeah, <laughs> it's the best. It's the first round. Yeah, I, I will say this: this vaccine is actually different from other vaccines. From everything I've read up on it, like I, I have friends who work in the medical field; they've actually taken it uh, so far. Like they've told me, like it's very different compared to how other vaccines are. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely definitely interesting. Yeah. So fellas, let's uh let's shift our focus, man. Let's talk about another um <laughs> let's talk about the NHL. Um and of course we get you know we're here. We'll uh, talk about the NHL. We'll do a, a preview, so we'll go down a few things to get you guys primed and ready for the NHL season. I got my two guys here that uh <laughs> that hockey guys, so I definitely had to get these guys on and they will preview the hockey. Yeah. It going first, let's get that graphic going. We are here at 44. All right, so fellas, who are the teams to watch this year in the National Hockey League? I'm gonna go with you first, JB. Um, so there are a few teams that I want to watch because this year is going to be different. You're not going to have like the regular Eastern Western Conference format, you're putting teams in a bunch of different divisions. Um, so a team I'm looking at this year, um, is a team that made the playoffs last year. They crashed out. I'm going to be looking at the Calgary Flames from the standpoint that the Calgary Flames didn't really have good goaltending last year. And one of the biggest things that they actually, they went out and they signed Jacob Markstrom, which may have been a bit of a mistake because he's carrying a huge cap hit and he's not the youngest guy in the world either, but they're a team I'm looking, I'm, I'm going to look at. And another team I'm going to look at is another team that a Canadian division as well is the Montreal Canadiens. They sh- wouldn't have made the playoffs in a regular year, but they ended up getting that 12th seed and they beat the Pittsburgh Penguins yep. in the best of five. And then they actually gave Philly all they wanted in that series as well. So a lot of people are high on them, but then I've been reading up. A lot of people think that they're going to take a step back this year. They think that last year was like due to the bubble and it was school school. And the other team I'm going to, cause my boy, my buddy uh, who uh, still lives in Korea, uh, he'll be listening to this probably tomorrow sometime. Another team I'm going to look at too is another team for the Canadian division <laughs> is the Toronto Maple Leafs because the Maple Leafs have a lot of talent on that team but they cannot win a playoff series. And I think that this is a year where they absolutely, they have to win a playoff series. They have to put up or shut up this year. So those are three teams I'm watching. There are some other teams that we probably will get into a little later as well too. So Okay. Jerk, your team's uh, watch. So, you know, the, the immediate team that I have to name here, the defending Stanley Cup champions getting the 
the proverbial monkey off their back, the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, after uh, the the year prior in 2019, winning the President's Trophy, which means you finish the regular season as the best team, uh, but having the greatest regular season that we had seen in the sport in uh, a little over two decades, getting swept in the first round was an embarrassment. Everyone in that organization would admit that that was an all-time low for them, and it's something that they made good on and winning the Cup this year in, you know, we've spoken on it about in other shows, like wh- whoever wants to put whatever asterisk they want to try uh, at the end of the day, Tampa won uh, the cup in the bubble. Uh, so they're, to me, they're intriguing because they're their superstar forward, former MVP Nikita Kucherov. He's going to miss a good chunk of the season, potentially the entire regular season uh, due to an injury. He, he tried to see if there was like, you know, rehab options. I believe it was his hip, but at the end of the day, he just opted for surgery. I think he kind of opted at the right time because, you know, if it if all goes well, he should be back come like the early stages of the playoffs, which will be key for them. But Tampa's still so talented. They're so deep. The, the Kucherov injury actually in hockey, if a guy is going to be out for a very significant amount of time, you can actually uh, send his cap hit into the long-term injury reserve. And so that mm-hmm. cap hit comes off the books, which they use to re-sign a couple of their players. They're still so deep. They're still so yeah. talented. And they they have a legitimate shot at repeating. And another team I want to give some love to, I'm a, uh, this isn't my favorite team, but, you know, I, they're kind of actually a division rival to my team normally. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche, they've been building something special the last couple of years. And, you know, if, if they had just gotten a little bit of better injury luck last year, you know, their starter and their backup goalie, got hurt in the playoffs. If they have, you know, a little bit of better luck, they maybe make it to the conference finals last year. Uh, that is such a talented team. Nate McKinnon, Nico Ranton, and uh, Kale McCarr uh, in our year-end show that we did for Off the Ball Network. He was one of the young defensemen I mentioned. He is supremely talented. By the way, last year was his rookie season, and he was <laughs> breaking some records. So that, that, that just talented core of guys, you know, if Colorado just gets a little bit more luck, I can see them making a really good run this year. Yeah, um, that, that was good. And um, I like what you brought up about the cap hit because the St. Louis Blues did the same thing last year with Vladimir uh, Tarasenko. Um, yeah. yeah, but that, that that's good. I, I think one of my concerns about the Avalanche, though, because uh, they're, uh, my favorite team is Dallas. So right. they have we have a long history with them. But I think one of my biggest concerns with uh, Colorado, and you saw this last year in, a, in the playoff series against Dallas, they don't have – second and third line scoring that's consistent and that actually can come back to hurt you in the playoffs. So right. like uh, they, they definitely, they have a beastly first line. Um, if they get just mediocre goaltending, they're going to be a threat to make the finals and maybe win it. If they just get mediocre goaltending with those guys, but you just worry that in the playoff series, if let's say Brantanen or McKinnon go cold, where are they going to get that other scoring from? And that's something that I think that they need to like kind of address maybe at the trade deadline because their second their second and third line scoring really dried up uh, against Dallas last year, yeah. along with the injuries, and that kind of doomed them. Right. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely a significant point. In the NHL, like come playoff time, it is very, very important you get that depth line score. Yeah. It's part of the reason why Tampa – one, because just before the COVID stoppage, they made two critical moves at the deadline and getting, you know, not, not big name guys. They got a Blake Coleman and a Barclay Goudreau. These are not household names, but those are guys that provide energy and some timely goal scoring. They do the dirty things uh, on the ice the, with body checking and getting close up to the net to bother goalies that the superstars just don't do. 
Like you do need that. So it's definitely it's definitely a concern for Colorado. Although I, I gotta say, like they were one of my winners in the offseason. One of my first articles I did for the network was giving winners of the offseason. Uh, they had a really good offseason. Brendan Saad was a solid trade for them, uh getting him from Chicago. He's a, a reliable twenty goal scorer in his career. He's won some uh he's won some Stanley Cups, so he brings that championship winning experience. And I think if Andre Burakovsky, you know, because the thing is, is that it's all about line management in the NHL, kind of like in a batting lineup with baseball. It's all about how you manage the lines. If they can try to you know, balance out those second and third lines, because they actually they have the players to do it. I think it's just all about finding those connections. It's a legitimate thing. If you get two guys that have chemistry, you do not separate them from one another. So if Colorado yeah. can find that, I, I think that's that's where they make up for all the for all the need for depth. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, fellas, the players to watch. So, I'm going to go to the players to watch. I mean, there's so many names that can be named. I'm, I'm going to start off with uh, with some players on a team that JB mentioned earlier, the Montreal Canadiens and, you know, what they could do this season. And, you know, to me uh, – the uh, the key to that team this year, obviously with Carey Price, if he plays really good again, like he kind of showed off in the bubble, they're going to be a threat. Um, but uh, two young guys on that team, Nick Suzuki and Jesperi Kokaniemi, if those two guys have breakout years, uh, they're going to they're gonna they're gonna give Montreal some hope because those are two very talented guys. Kokaniemi, he had some injuries in his second year that kind of had him take a step back. Uh, but he played pretty well in the bubble when he was able to come back. Nick Suzuki played well in the bubble. So the, having those two young forwards there is nice. Uh, if they can if they can hold it down for that team, if they could provide, you know, uh, if they can round out the top six in Montreal, Montreal will have a chance to be very competitive. And uh, another team that I got a name here, uh, this is one of the contenders uh, in their division. If Carter Hart of the Philadelphia Flyers, if he takes yet another step in his development, he already became an all-star caliber goalie last year. If he can take that up to a superstar caliber goalie, the Philadelphia Flyers would be the favorite in the East because goaltending takes you far in the playoffs. And if this young kid, I, JB, correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's only 22 years old. If yeah. this kid solidifies himself as a superstar this season, Philly will have a cup contending team for years to come because he is that talented. He by himself can win them a playoff series. Oh yeah, he was he was uh he was fabulous in um in the second round against the Islanders. Uh he was fabulous in game 5 and game 6. Uh you know, he and they won both of those games in overtime, but yeah. Um yeah, uh, those are some good names. Um I'm actually going to go with another I'm going to go with some other goaltenders and one guy I'm really interested in looking at this year because he had a down year last year and he was actually benched in the playoffs is Jordan Bennington. Was was 2019 a mirage? Right. Like he's not bad, but he was outstanding, and he was the reason why they won the Stanley Cup in, in 2019. He stood on his head uh, so many situations, like. Uh, but he really took a step back last year, and he lost his job. Jake Allen actually was the goalie in the closeout game when they lost to Vancouver. So yeah. Is he going to return back to like 2018, 2019 Jordan Bennington, or is he going to be more of like the 2019, 2020 Jordan Bennington? Because if he is, I really think that maybe St. Louis is not going to be as good as right. uh, they once were because a lot of people had them winning the championship again last year. Yeah. You know, because they're a very deep team. Um, the other goalies I want to look at, and this is a tandem, what's going to happen in Vegas? Because, uh, 
Yeah. Who's your goalie? Is it Robert Lerner or is it uh, Marc-Andre Fleury? And, you know, it wasn't really surprising to me that they couldn't move Marc-Andre Fleury because there aren't a lot of teams jumping up to give a 35, 36-year-old goalie paying them, you know, six, seven million dollars a year. And that's what the cap hit Fleury is. And I still think Fleury has some, has some, still has something left in the tank, but uh, I don't know. Is the relationship between his agent and the front office broken? You know, his uh, agent posted that, you know, divisive message on uh, Twitter with, you know, the knife in the back. So that that's, those are um, some players um, I'm looking, uh, I'm looking at as well. And I'm also going to look at uh, the swap that happened. Uh, So basically Tory crew came from Boston to St. Louis and then Alex Pertangelo went from St. Louis to, uh, to, to the golden Knights. So which one of those guys has the better season? I actually prefer uh, Pertangelo. um, And I Mm -hmm. think that he is going to give, you know, uh, Vegas, you know, something extra, especially on their power play. So those are some players I think that are, uh, you should watch out for this year. Yeah, especially, you know, you mentioned it, Petrangelo. He's he's that definitive top defenseman that Vegas has needed. At, Vegas has done such a masterful job at mass, uh, at roster building uh, in their inaugural years here in the NHL. And Alex Petrangelo is that kind of guy that, that teams uh, really want. You know, he's not going to put up those 60, 70-point season that these offensive dynamo defensemen will put up. But what he will do, he'll give you 40 to 50 points. He'll be there on the power play. And he could be one of the guys on the penalty kill. Like, he's the definition yeah. of such a well-rounded defenseman. And he was a massive pickup for Vegas. So he's definitely going to make a difference uh, for them uh, and, and help out, you know, wh- whoever is in net for Vegas at the end of the day. They're going to get some help with that guy in front of them. Uh, kind of, you know, just really quick, some names I want to mention, uh, you know, just in passing. Uh, it, I, I'm a big guy when it comes to young players. And the East Division has a lot of young guys there that are looking to take that next step. Uh, the New Jersey Devils and the New York Rangers in twenty in the 2019 draft, they picked one and two. New Jersey picked Jack Hughes, and the Rangers picked a young Finnish guy called Capo Kako. Heck of a name. Say it five times fast <laughs> for me. Uh, you know, those two guys, they kind of struggled in their rookie seasons. I think both of them for different reasons. I think uh, they had to really adjust to the physicality level. Both guys, you know, for Hughes, he played in the Canadian Hockey League, which is the think of that kind of like the college, the NCAA for the NHL uh, to an extent in terms of like what the relationship is there. Uh, you know, he he's played guys his age his entire life to play went out with grown men. I think he needed that first year. And same with Kako, even though he played with some older players in, in Finland, it's a massive difference from the European style of play to the American style of play that I think he needed that first year to adjust. So those two, I think they maybe not breakout years per se this year, but look for them to look more comfortable on the ice for New Jersey and uh, the Rangers. And also the Rangers, they had the first pick this year and they got – Alexis Lafreniere, he's a very talented player. He in in his final uh, junior season, coach, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna find this wild. In 52 games, he scored 112 points. That is how dominant he was in his last year in juniors. He looked NHL ready. I think he is. I'm I'm almost certain he's gonna make the main roster for the Rangers this year. And if he comes out early, the Rangers could be they could be a really good team. Okay. All right. So, fellas, who are the sleepers in the, in the National Hockey League? I'm going to go with you first, JB. Your sleepers. Oh, uh, teams? 
yeah, sleeper yeah. team, like teams that you Ooh. that can make a run that nobody really think about. Um, I think that if we look at it, like what teams finished last year, uh, well, um, I think Philadelphia is definitely a team that uh, that could definitely go on a run this year. Uh, you know, like uh, nobody really expected them to. You know, I think before the year started last year, if you would have told people that the Flyers would have been a game away from the conference finals. I think people would have said that you were crazy. So I look at them, Philadelphia, I think they could definitely go on a run this year. And I also think Vancouver could definitely go on a run this year too. Um, they let go of Markstrom because he commanded such a high salary, but they replaced them with Braden Hopi at a, at a much more friendly deal. And they have a great backup as well. So I think Vancouver is a team uh, to look out for this year as well. Um, and I would say another sleeper, um, I think the Carolina Hurricanes are, are going to be another sleeper. I think that, like, uh, they uh, they just got a bad beat last year. They drew uh, a team in Boston that they just don't particularly match up well with. So um, they're in a different division this year. So uh, those were three teams that I think could definitely um, go on a run this year. Jerk, your uh, your sleepers. Uh, so I'm going to go a little bit of a dark horse route. Uh, in terms of some of these teams. So, uh, again, you know, JB mentioned them before. I think if they get some of the right pl- breaks, Montreal could definitely be a sleeper to be. Because the thing in the in the North Division, the Canadian Division uh, in this season, is that there's three definitive teams that most people agree will uh, take up the spot. So, for, for, uh, for those, uh, JB alluded to it earlier. So, instead of East versus West this year, the NHL has divided the league into four divisions. The top four teams that finish in uh, point totals at the end of the season will make the playoffs. Uh, so there is a wide open spot at the n- the number four seed for uh, that North division. I think if things go right for Montreal, they could definitely be a team that, you know, they could sneak into that four spot if Carey Price uh, plays well once again. Uh, and some other teams that I think could do it. I, I, I agree with uh, Carolina. Carolina is a team that if they could just not face Boston in one of the early rounds in the playoffs, they could definitely make a run. Uh, I think the Rangers, you know, I just mentioned them earlier, you know, even aside from the young talent they had, if you look at last season, the Rangers are so unique because they aren't one of those teams that just got lucky with the expansion. If every, if if the world had been normal last year, there was a a legitimate chance that the Rangers actually could have made the playoffs because this, this was the case of last season. They would have a month where they go like nine, three and one. But then the next seven games, they would go like two and five. And then they would have a four-game winning streak. And then they would lose three of the next four. They were so up and down last season that if they just have a stronger consistency in play, if things had gone normal, they actually could have legitimately made the playoffs in a year that all of us thought, wait, they should be rebuilding. How did they make the playoffs so quickly? So, And that's the beauty of hockey. A quote-unquote rebuilding team can turn things around in such a quick time if they get the lucky breaks. And I think the Rangers have gotten that. Uh, it, again, if they if they play much more consistent, I think they're the team. And the last team I'll just throw out there because in uh, the inaugural episode of Break the Ice, uh, my guest with me on that show, Logan Lockhart, uh, you know, we talked about Minnesota and how I, I still find myself shocked when I look at last season standings to see how close they were to the wild card. I have seen it like 17 times and I'm always surprised. Like Minnesota was that close to the playoffs. Are you kidding me? So like, and here's the thing. They're not a bad team, but they're not a a team that they're not a great team. Yeah, exactly. They're just so in the middle. They're not going to lose games, but they're not going to always win them. So it's like, just, just that makes me think like they may have a shot because the, the wild are in the West division. 
And aside from the top three teams, that division's fourth slot is kind of kind of wide open. Maybe Minnesota sneaks in, but th- those are my teams. Those are the dark horses to make the playoffs because the, those are teams necessary. Most people wouldn't expect, but you know they they actually have you know some of the pieces in place to to at least get into get into the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, big time. So, fellas, who will win the Stanley Cup? Well, we'll actually, who's going to be in the Stanley Cup and then your winner? Jerg, I'm going to put you on the hot seat first. Right. So, so like I, I mentioned uh, this year with the four divisions, so the way it'll work is that uh, the, uh, the top four teams in the divisions, they'll make the playoffs, and then they'll be in their own bracket. So the first <laughs> – so the first seed and the fourth team, uh, <laughs> the first seed and the fourth seed will face each other in the division. Then the second and the third, and so on and so forth. So, uh, so forth. Think about like the NCAA basketball tournament, how they're kind of doing it. Okay. Uh, so my semifinalists that I have, I have the Vancouver Canucks coming out of the Canadian division. Uh, it's really the North, but I we might as well call it because it's all Canada. Um, I got Colorado coming out the West. Uh, I, I'm very high on them. I think if they get some luck, they could definitely make it. Uh, out of the Central, I got to go with the defending champions. I think they're the definitive best team in the Central Division. I call that division the anticlimactic division because I think Tampa is just a step above even ha- not having their superstar sniper. And the East is so difficult for me because I call them – JB, I think you'll like this. I call them the division of death because that, <laughs> that division is stacked from top to bottom. I have the Philadelphia Flyers making it out of that division by a hair, by a hair. Uh, And my Stanley Cup finals, give me Tampa and Colorado. And my Stanley Cup winner, oh, man, I love both those teams. But give me the repeat. Give me Tampa with the repeat. Okay. Okay, Jerry. Okay, so out of the East Division, uh, I would probably say give me Philadelphia. Um, Out of the North I would probably say Vancouver. Okay, I'm a bit biased. Uh, so out of the Central, I'm going to go with my team. I'm going to go with Dallas. But I, respect I think, yeah, I think that it's going to be between – it's going to be between three teams. It'll be between Dallas, Carolina, and uh, and Tampa. And out of the West, I'm going to go with Vegas. I'll go with Vegas this year. I think Vegas right. is here. And uh, my finals will be – I'm going to go Vegas. I'm going to go Vegas versus Philly, and I'll go with Vegas winning it all this year and their fourth year of existence. Yeah. They're going to spoil their fan base. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> For uh, expansion team in their fourth year, they won the championship. That's what I'll go with. Yeah, yeah. All um, right, so yeah. by the way, if I may, um, once we get to the final four, they'll actually be reseeded. So we mm-hmm. we actually won't know the matchups until we get to that point. Like we could we could see like it could be it could ironically be like you know East versus West technically it, if you look at it, how the whole divisions would be, or we could, Philly and Vegas. Uh, could actually end up being one of the semifinal matchups, or yeah. even Colorado and Tampa. Like we won't know those matchups until we Matches get so to the semis. Yeah, so they okay. will be reseeded. Yeah. All right, so fellas, I got I got two things. Well, now I got one thing. So I need I need a team to root for in twenty twenty one. So Jerry, I'm gonna ask for two suggestions. JB, I'm asking for two. I'm gonna put this up on a Twitter um, poll. And I think I have it till twelve o'clock um, tomorrow. So mm-hmm. the uh, the uh, the couch couch coach the couch coaches will make the definitive decision. So JB, give me two teams. I should 
for the for the poll. Okay. Uh Dallas and Vegas. Dallas okay. and Vegas. <laughs> All right. And Jerry, give me I like two. That. I, first off, JB, I feel like you may have read my mind there because I was hoping you would go two different divisions so I could get the other two. So I'm glad we worked that out perfectly, man. <laughs> um, so he gave you a central and a west division. I'm going to give you a north and an east. So in the east, coach, j- just because, you know, you're a Washington football team guy, I got to give you the Capitals. Okay. Ale- and, hey, look, they're still a playoff team. I know we didn't mention yeah. them. And I know Boston Bruins fans are going to come at us. Trust me, Bruins fans. We know your team is really good. We just did not have them in our semifinals. But, Coach, I'm going to give you the Capitals. Just because the Capitals are still a playoff caliber team, I have them personally making the playoffs in uh, in my predictions. Well, not I didn't really give real predictions, but if I had to, I would say the Capitals make it. And, look, Alexander Ovechkin is a highlight reel any given night. So you, you could have that. Uh, and from the North, I'm going to give him – uh, JB, I think you'll like what I'm gonna give him here. I'm gonna give him the Edmonton Oilers because oh, that. Oh yeah. yeah. Here's the thing with the Oilers: you have coach. You will have two of the last like three or four guys to win the MVP award. They have yeah. two MVP winners on that team, and they haven't scratched the surface on the success they could have. If everything goes right for Edmonton this year, they honestly could surprise us. Like we don't have them in our semifinals for now. But it's a legitimate thing that come like over halfway through the season, we could we could say like, wow, Edmonton may be a cup contender, you know, depending on how things break. So uh, the Edmonton Oilers and the Washington Capitals, those are the two teams that I'll give you. Okay. All right. Uh, so we had uh-huh. Jerk, I have a question for you. So what teams do you have coming out of out of the North Division, out of the Canadian Division? Uh, so I have the main three that I have, um, and I, I I broke this down last week. Um. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, the popular teams are the Oilers, the Canucks, and the Maple Leafs. I think mm-hmm. those three teams have the the talent, uh, mm-hmm. you know, on paper. Now, obviously, everything changes when you go from paper to the ice. But yeah. I think those three teams on paper. You look at Edmonton; you have two of the last four MVP winners. You look at yeah. Toronto, as you alluded to earlier, JB. They have a lot of salary tied in some really good players. They need to win. They need to get into a winning mindset. And Vancouver is so young and so talented. They were honestly, you talk about Philly, they were they were definitely a step ahead last year. Vancouver was kind of a step ahead too with the upset over St. Louis. They nearly came back against Vegas down three to one. And if they had just gotten some goal scoring, they would have yeah. made it to the Western Conference Finals. Like they're so talented. So those are my top three teams. Yeah. And like I said, the fourth seed in that division to me is up for grabs. I think the Flames are the early favorite for that. But like I said earlier, like I, I, I we're both kind of, you know, we're both intrigued in Montreal because if things break right for them, the, the Canadians could make it there. And that's something I would love to see. Like, could you imagine if we got like a Maple Leafs and Canadians first round matchup? You know, oh, yes. two, two of the original six teams going at it. That, that would be a dream. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that would that would that that would be a dream. And what about the East Division? Because like I I I absolutely agree with you. Like that being the division of death. Like I mean, like uh, I, I I definitely have Philly and Boston coming out, and I have Washington coming out. But what's who would you say is the fourth team that you have coming out of uh, that division? I find this so difficult. Um, just by a hair, just because of consistency of how well coached they are. As of now, I have to kind of give it to the Islanders. Because they made it to the conference finals in the bubble, they're such a they're such a a, a very good, well put together team. Uh, Barry Trotz is a great coach. He was the Capitals' head coach uh, when they won the Stanley Cup. 
a few a few years back. So you know he he's so good there. Uh, yeah. My only concern with them is that during the regular season they were kind of here and there at times. Yeah, and like in a shortened season, that's my only concern. But I feel like I feel like they're going to have urgency of okay, we can't afford to be here and there. We have to really you know make a push for this because the season is much shorter than previous than usual years. Yeah, no, I so I had them missing the playoffs. I went with I went with Pittsburgh. Um, mm-hmm. I went with Pittsburgh over them. I just, I don't know. I think the Islanders, I, I, I definitely could see them making the playoffs um, if one of these other teams, because Washington to me is a team that I could also see missing the playoffs. I have them in there because of just like how consistent they have been. But mm-hmm. like with the Islanders, I think the Islanders, they have such a hard time scoring sometimes. Right. And also, like like you mentioned before, like they started off last year, they were like 16-3-1 at one point, and they were, like, at some point, they looked like they might have missed the playoffs last year. So, like, right. uh, I, I worry about the Islanders in the short year. They, they're a very well-coached team, so it's hard to bet against them. But, like, I don't know, man. I think that this division is tough, man. One of those teams isn't going to make the playoffs. Yeah, not even just that. Um in my article, I said that that division has seven potential playoff teams. And because of how it's structured this year, three of them have to miss out. And, and yeah. that's and for some and for some of those teams like a Buffalo who who is dying to make the playoffs, especially because the Bills just made the playoffs and broke a drought like the Sabres. Yeah. It's, it's your turn now. Like <laughs> the, the Buffalo fans, you know, uh, if the Sabres can do something for them, that would be great. But, you know, they're, they're going to have a tough time in that division. Um, yeah. and like, uh, you, like you alluded to, like you and me, uh, a team that we both have, at least in the semifinals, Philly is there. And then the Boston Bruins who Bruins fans, I'm gonna give you this right here. This is your mention. If Tuka Rask does not leave during the bubble, they have a more, they have a more competitive series with Tampa. I still think Tampa wins that series in the bubble, but they are at least more competitive. So Bruins fans, you know, they, they definitely have, you know, some, qu- uh, some things to say about last season. And they'll have a good year again this year. And it, it's so unfair for some of those teams. Like, I would be really angry if I was Buffalo. Like, really? I have to deal with Boston and Philly? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Steve. Hey, I'm letting them cook, man. Like, I, I know a little bit about <laughs> hockey, but I have, you know, not like like Jurgen JB. So definitely uh, big time. So, fellas, let's put a bow in this week's Couch Coach Live. Um, where can they find your social media, JB? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Jamie Bailey. I keep on saying that I'm I'm gonna I'm eventually gonna get an Instagram. I, I promise. Some point this year, I'll get an Instagram. Get get on Twitter. I don't tell me get get on Twitter, uh, man. Okay. I, I am yeah. on Twitter, but <laughs> oh, oh oh, you like Kevin Durant? <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I got 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 a couple of burners. <laughs> you gotta, like I like Colangelo. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong. Hey, you gotta have burners. Trust yeah. me, because some things you, you just can't put out there. <laughs> As a that that is known. I put it that way. <laughs> yeah, well, Craig, Churg, man, where can they find you on social media? Uh, at k 40 on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, I post a lot of different stuff uh, on both those, primarily sports, of course. I, I retweet a lot, a bunch of different stuff, and give my opinion. Send it somewhere out there in the, in the void and see what happens from there. Uh, yeah. 
And, you know, that, that's where you can follow me. Again, I have an, a hockey article coming up really soon. It's, been, it's had a couple delays. I've mentioned it a few times, but my Fall of Champions article, I think by the end of this week it should be posted. There's a couple, like, busy things. That's why it's been delayed. But I think this week it should get up on the site, and I'm really excited for that to get up there. Definitely you. Shout out. Uh, appreciate that, Steven. Um, yeah, so we got yeah, Love we, you, Steven. We good, man. No, no man down. We good. Man. <laughs> <laughs> we good, Steven. <laughs> we do a real in hockey. Next man up. Right. He can't, he can't right. Yeah. So uh, definitely uh, follow the podcast, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram on the Couch Coach Lab. Also, um, YouTube as well. So definitely uh, follow the page on YouTube. And definitely um, – so we did the poll just a few minutes ago, and leaving the clubhouse is the Dallas Stars. So <laughs> we got what fourteen more hours left to go for that. So <laughs> you know, so we got definitely um, got that definitely. If you're on Twitter, um, check out. Matter of fact, I'm gonna pin that to the profile. Um, actually, I'm gonna do that right now as we speak. So I'm gonna pin that onto the page. So and just and just vote and just for, just for the hell of it, keep it vo- um, vote and then. I'm gonna follow that NHL team and I'm gonna rock with them. Might get some gear, might get some swag, you know. So. <laughs> I think we um, gave you straight up coach. I think no matter who you get, I think we gave you four solid teams right there. They all have legitimate playoff odds this year, truthfully. Which is good because you know, like we always say, like we also talk about an overreaction Monday with a broken hearts club, you know, as far as having um bad teams, following bad teams over the years, over the course of time. So to kind of have a team that that's 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 good, that you know, that like you said. Have a good good shot of uh, having some postseason success. That's what I, that's what I look for. I'm glad you know no one didn't give me Detroit Red Wings. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey, in two to three years, in two to three yeah, years, yeah, back. <laughs> yeah, no, one, no one gave me that. So thank goodness, you know. But um, yeah. So definitely, thank you, fellas, for coming on to this week Couch Coach Live, man. Definitely appreciate you guys, and and we'll catch you guys next week, man. This has been this week's Couch Coach Live. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate it, fellas. Thanks. All right.